Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. You're just in time to go back in time, and we're going to go back to the 1937 professional football season. We're going to talk about the NFL, a rival league, some great players, and some record-setting performances, as well as a very surprise uh, in the NFL championship game. And an undefeated team uh, that won a championship for the first time in football history of organized league play. We have this and more coming up in just a moment. This is the Pigskin Daily History Dispatch, a podcast that covers the anniversaries of American football events throughout history on a day-to-day basis. Your host, Darren Hayes, is podcasting from America's North Shore to bring you the memories of the gridiron one day at a time. So as we come out of the tunnel of the Sports History Network, let's take the field and go no huddle through the portal of positive gridiron history with pigskindispatch.com. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hello, my football friends. This is Darren Hayes of pigskindispatch.com. Welcome once again to the Pigpen, your portal to positive football history. And welcome to another edition of Football History Rewind, part number 81, where we are going to talk about the professional football season of 1937. If you're not familiar with our series, you can go into pigskindispatch.com up at the top, click on football history, and you can go right through all of those different genres uh, year by year, the story of football history, taking us up to 1937 with this edition. Uh, Last time we talked about the college season, and uh, we're going to talk about this pro season and some very interesting things that happened indeed there. But before we do, let's talk about how you can join our daily newsletter. You want to know when the next uh, Football History Rewind segment is coming out on Pigskin Dispatch? Well, you can find that in a newsletter. You want to know what's going on in Jersey Dispatch? Maybe one of our, our great team series, the, the best of the franchise, and talk about Jersey numbers, jerseydispatch.com. It's in the newsletter. It comes out each and every day, 6.30 a.m. Really easy to sign up for. Go to the show notes of this podcast or the top of jerseydispatch.com or pigskindispatch.com, and you can cancel at any time, and it's totally free. You get some sports news each and every day uh, from the history of athletic team sports, and I think it's a, a great valuable thing that you can look at each and every day, and uh, you can really enjoy that, so we invite you to do that. Now let's get into the 1937 professional football season, which is among one of the most memorable in NFL history. 1937 was the 18th regular season of the National Football League, and it was also notable for the increasing popularity of the sport. Attendance was up at games, and the NFL was beginning to attract 
national attention. Uh, still in the shadows of the college game, but it was gaining a little bit of steam. The season saw some newer concepts coming out, such as specialists and players that were beginning to excel at one position you know, very well. Remember, this is still uh, the uh, single platoon system where you had to play offense and defense. Uh, been, there was also a new rival league that uh, was still hanging around in there. They played in 1936, but they were also there in 1937. And a non-Midwest franchise winning the NFL championship game for the first time in the league's history. We're going to cover some of those segments here. First of all, let's talk about that rival league. Now, back in part number 79 of the series in the 1936 professional season, we discussed the Players League, which was the second rendition of the American Football League. Now, this version of the AFL would have its swan song in 1937, the final year of it, succumbing to its more well-established rival than the NFL. But the first blow was having one of its more successful franchises from the previous season, the Cleveland Rams, leaving the folded defect into the National Football League for the 37 season. Now, financial woes of many of the member teams and even the success of one of itself was a detriment to the league. The pioneering West Coast professional football scene, the Los Angeles Bulldogs, not only established themselves as the region's first home-based team in 1937, but they etched their name in history as the first professional team to achieve an undefeated championship season, a feat unmatched until 1948 by the Cleveland Browns in the AAFC, and again in 1972 by the NFL's Miami Dolphins. So we have a first there. Now back in the NFL, uh, some of those highlights uh, were some notable uh, for the emergence of several new stars, including Sammy Baugh, who became one of the greatest quarterbacks in NFL history. Baugh led the Washington Redskins to the championship game with his passing and running ability, and he was named the NFL's most valuable player in 1937. Another notable player from 1937 season saw was Don Hudson, who led the NFL in receptions at 41 while producing a shocking number of receiving yards at the time with 552. Now Hudson was one of the most dominant receivers in NFL history, and he helped to make the passing game more integral part of the game. Coach Curly Lambeau expounded upon what others were trying to do at all other levels of football in spreading ends out away from the rest of the formation. And with Hudson, it was a magical formula that suited the speedster's skill set and revolutionized the end position. In many ways, some strategic elements of the offensive game that still carry on to this day. Now, 552 yards and 41 receptions for an NFL split end or wide receiver doesn't sound like that much. Remember, we're talking about 1937, and the passing game was nowhere near developed to what it is now. But this uh, specialized end that was standing away from the formation and that special player in Don Hudson were really making that uh, to be quite a thing of the past and uh, becoming quite a, a, a popular blend to do and when you have a quarterback like Sammy Baugh starting to throw the ball around and Arnie Arbor uh, with the Green Bay Packers who was throwing to Hudson and you had some special things coming up uh, in the coming years for the NFL but staying in 1937 the Chicago Bears had the best record in football at 9-1-1 but they uh, ended up losing the championship game we'll get more to that in a second uh, the Redskins were led by uh, Sammy Baugh, as we talked about, who threw 1,127 yards and 13 touchdowns. 
Cliff Battles was the Redskins' leading rusher, 874 yards, who and uh, scoring eight times for him. So you had a pretty uh, potent offense there for the Redskins. You didn't know if Baugh was going to step back and pass, or maybe even he was a threat to run, or you know Battles uh, taking and pounding the ball out on the ground. So kept the defenses off balance a little bit. Now the Bears, they had their uh, offense was powered by the strong running game. And they had didn't have a lot of balance with the pass. They threw a little bit, uh, but didn't have the uh, you know the receivers like Don Hudson or quarterback quite as good as Sammy Baugh. But Coach George Hallis did have a strong committee of four solid running backs: Ray Nolting, Beatty Feathers, Jack Manders, and a 29-year-old Bronco Nagurski were just stellar and each produced almost about the same yardage they were right there in the the 200 to to 400 yard range so pretty spread out and uh, balanced running attack by the Chicago Bears now the Redskins ended up winning the Eastern Division with a solid 8 and 3 and 0 tie record overshadowing a pretty good New York Giants squad who were just back a little ways. They had two ties that were detriment to them. The Giants uh, finished at 6-3 and 2. Uh, so back then there was no playoffs. So it was the winner of the division went to the championship game. And in the West Division, well, the Bears stormed past their competition, posting a 9-1-1 record on their slate. Now, these Redskins, uh, they were newly transplanted uh, and brought a lot of attention to the nation's capital. They left Beantown the year before. We talked about that and uh, George Preston Marshall and uh, their owner and his famous move from Boston into Washington, D.C. and uh, ended up being really good for the Redskins, you know, that 9-3 and record. Uh, and uh, I'm sorry, eight and three record took them into the championship game against the Bears, who were heavily favored, by the way. But the, it was the turn. Uh, you know, back then you took turns on where the championship game would be, and it was the East turn. And that championship game was played in the uh, Griffith Stadium in Washington D.C. in front of sixty thousand fans. It was a record, sixty thousand one hundred and three. And the uh, Redskins end up having their way for the home crowd, end up beating the Bears by a score of 28 to 21 in that game, and uh, a very historic one indeed. And it was the first time that a team from the outside the Midwest had won the NFL championship. It was also a significant victory for the Redskins franchise as it marked the end of a long period of futility for that team. Because if you remember back to part number 79 in the 1936 season, we talked about the uh, Redskins, who were the Boston Redskins at the time, ended up losing the championship game at neutral site polo grounds. Uh, again, jo- George Preston Marshall got to choose that uh, place, and he didn't want to play in Boston where fans weren't turning out, so he went to the polo grounds in New York City. And uh, But the Packers came in and beat the Redskins and uh, sort of, you know, propelled the Redskins the next year they wanted to do a little bit better and they did and uh, knocked off the Bears in that championship game so great season uh, some great stars emerging in Baugh and Hudson and uh, Beatty Feathers and Bronco Nagurski are in there and just some real talent uh, going in the NFL that's going in the right direction and uh, you know boy you just can't uh, get much better than that and uh, a great season by those uh, 10 teams of the NFL and uh, you know, fending off their rival of that AFL and them uh, succumbing to that 
uh, that's too bad. And, you know, congratulations to those Los Angeles team uh, in that AFL winning uh, all their games and uh, the championship and uh, just a tremendous feat anytime a team can do that. So that's what we have for the 1937 season. Uh, We hope that uh, you will join us next time uh, for Football History Rewind, part number 82, when we will talk about the 1938 college aspect of the season and uh, tell you about the best teams, players, and coaches from that year. And that will come up in uh, some of the weeks to come, but we have plenty more programming uh, coming up for you. Uh, every Tuesday we have Timothy P. Brown, footballarchaeology.com, talking about one of his tidbits and some great aspects of antiquity of the game of football and uh, just some things that you don't really get to talk about very often or think about, but boy, Tim sure does. We get to talk to him. We have some guests, some authors, and some other surprise little stories that will come up and uh, have some more solo uh, tales of, you know, with me telling you some stuff as well. So hope you'll stay with us and, uh, you know, tune in and make us one of your favorites on your favorite podcast provider or, you know, get that email uh, newsletter, like we said, and you'll know everything that's going on. Many of our great stories that we have every day, not every day is a podcast, but we do have some great stories each and every day. Tell you in a day by day football history and sports history uh, when you combine it with jerseydispatch.com. So until next time, everybody, have a great gridiron day. That's all the football history we have today, folks. Join us back tomorrow for more of your football history. We invite you to check out our website, pigskindispatch.com, not only to see the daily football history, but to experience positive football with our many articles on the good people of the game, as well as our own football comic strip, Cleat Marks Comics. Pigskindispatch.com is also on social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and don't forget the Pigskin Dispatch YouTube channel to get all of your positive football news and history. Special thanks to the talents of Mike and Gene Monroe, as well as Jason Neff for letting us use their music during our podcast. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hey there, football fans. This is Ross, the host of the Pigskin Tales podcast. I just need a few moments of your time to talk about the host of the Pigskin Dispatch podcast, Darren Hayes. He's expanded the pig pen to search out information on the history of all team sports. It's a quest to find out about the competitors, teams, and places chronicled throughout athletic history through the uniforms and gear the participants used and wore. And he is taking you, the listener, with him on this educational journey to preserve sports history on the Sports Jersey Dispatch, found here on the Sports History Network. His newest podcast, called Jersey Dispatch, is all based on the jerseys that all the greats used to wear. You can find Darren Hayes and the Pigskin Dispatch podcast, as well as Jersey Dispatch, on your favorite podcast provider multiple times each week. So remember that, Darren Hayes, the host of the Pigskin Dispatch and Jersey Dispatch podcasts. It's found right here on the Sports History Network.